what really came across is where the next generation of CIOs are using a board selection of tools to crack some difficult things, difficult tasks, and not just hunkering down on particular technology, but using a broad set of where are they using AI, what automation have they got, how are they exploiting data. In this episode, we'll be talking to Dominic Hausman, CIO of Viridor. We'll look in on how different technologies help the company, how they enable that to generate a lot of data insights to optimize waste streams, and in the end become best in class in the recycling industry. In the Quality Leaders podcast, I discuss challenges and innovation in quality assurance in manufacturing. What keeps the industry experts awake at night? Where's innovation? What are the technologies behind it? And what role does artificial intelligence play in all this? All right, so good afternoon. Today with me is Dominic Hoson, CIO of recycling company Viridor. Good morning or afternoon, Mr. Hoson. Thank you for your time. As a CIO, I imagine you have a lot of responsibilities. You support Viridor with all types of technologies in different departments. But today, actually, I'd like to focus on the technology Viridor is using to become the best in class, to achieve the best possible quality. Obviously, that's still very vague, but in the podcast, we'll zoom in on that. And after all, that's the goal of the podcast, since we're the Quality Leaders podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Maxime. Good to see you. Yeah, so I'd like to start off and... Zoom in on the name Viridor. It looks a little bit in Latin. Perhaps you can elaborate on that. So Viridor in Latin, it means become green. So it fits in with the waste management recycling angle of the business. It's a nice fit and it's a lovely green as well. can only agree. <laughs> mm. So I also saw that you're new to the recycling industry. Before joining Viridor, you actually had 20 years in the food manufacturing. Why? switch after such an, a good career yeah so 20 years in consumer products in food manufacturing i personally have an opinion that it skills are transferable i think you can move technology skills between different companies so a lot of the technology thinking that i did in previous companies have been brought forward with me to Viridor. i think it's, it's quite often Technologists get pigeonholed into different industries, and I think it's important you can move across because you can technology is how you apply it in different industries is important. So for me, it's it wasn't a big it wasn't a big decision. I like what Verida were doing. It was an opportunity to we're at the point of when we were sold, we were bought by KR as and we carved out of Penn, and it was an opportunity to stand Verida up on its own and build something which we have done and build a business, yeah, build a we've developed a vision and purpose that we're all very proud of. We're building a world where nothing goes to waste and that's absolutely exactly what we want to do. And it, we want to be the leaders in energy recovery and also in plastics recycling. So that's something that we're passionate about and it's, I'm very pleased with so far the role that technology is playing in it. So I think it's been an excellent move for me and I've learned a lot about waste and recycling and for the better so it was a good move for me it's a very noble thing today right everybody's starting to realize it's necessary perhaps the first follow-up question i have on that is how do you feel the difference in perhaps the need or the willingness to innovate to use technology food compared to recycling in food i think some of the technology adoption is maybe a little bit more mature i thought coming into waste management i think it's an industry that doesn't necessarily have the 
coverage you'd expect in some of the large service integrators which is so there's not much knowledge out there in in some of the larger SIs about what goes on in waste management it's a fairly not unique business model but a different business model I think we've been able to use all types of technology and definitely part of my remit was to exploit the use of technology to make our business better and more efficient and more effective to support our growth ambitions so that's in, in t terms of I think the use of technology is not dissimilar to what we what I was doing in food but it certainly it brings a new dimension to waste management certainly that's an interesting one to end off with so in that regard how do you see technology shaping Viridor today like how is it are you pleasantly surprised by the technical delta the quality delta you're able to achieve I think we're looking, always looking at opportunities, how we can improve how we do business with technology. As part of our migration out of, part of our carve out from Penn and we implemented our own ERP platform, which we've subsequently built on, adding functionality all the time. And that has made us, that's made us be able to consolidate some of our, the way we do business. And that's been very effective. We've been able to supplement it with starting to get into some use of AI technology. So in our plastics business, we've been using conveyor belt cameras to identify the quality of the feedstock coming in and also to identify what we're not processing or reprocessing as well as looking at the steps all the way through so we can start to identify in plastics composition of the feedstock that we're putting through our process we are obviously implementing not first of its kind i'm sure but certainly looking at how we can use technology to solve problems so the gas bottle scanning solution that we're trialing today in one of our south london sites that's using new technology to, to scan a very awkward, very awkward surface to identify gas bottles that cause a significant problem, certainly in the quality of our process, the use of the explosion of gas bottles in an energy recovery facility is an issue, not just for our own safety, but also for the availability of the plant as well as the emissions. So actually being able to identify them and preventing them coming in is hugely powerful and using AI scanning technology for that. And I think it's only the start in waste management. I think there is technology in the coming years when technology develops to allow us to identify waste composition on household waste rather than plastics. Just plastics is slightly easier as when you process it, you're processing it under conveyor belts, which lends itself to camera technology. But then in energy from waste recovery bunker, doing that and being able to understand composition of waste going into the bunker is difficult with the technology that's available today i think there's opportunities for us to really do something very smart in the coming years once technology is able to understand depth and uh, do depth analysis that would be hugely powerful you have indeed mentioned something where you said availability of the plant of the recycling process that's being impacted by whether or not the gas bottle is passing through. So if it passes through, you need to shut down perhaps, or you need to, you're preventing explosions, which then leads to yeah, outage. And indeed with the energy crisis, the energy challenges we see today, that's a very valuable yeah, process to modernize. Yeah, it's, so it's an important, and our energy from waste plants. So our one in Oxfordshire, for example, generates enough electricity to power 60,000 homes. So it's definitely does what it says. It's recovering resources from waste. So it's part the recovery part of the waste hierarchy. Obviously, energy management. So you have getting the energy, but managing that on the grid 
you need to be able to rely. The people are going to consume it. You have estimates around that. And if you stop, you have outages, you have less production. That can have serious consequences, like, of course, outages yeah, we, on a larger scale. We don't provide the, our contribution to the grid. It's significant for us, but n not in the national scale, but it all helps, particularly where we are from an energy crisis perspective. And technology to be able us to make that service better and that delivery back to the grid will improve in the coming years as well. Yeah. Yeah. And so overall managing a factory in that regard, how, because you have a flow of waste coming in, right? And so perhaps elaborate if you can, I imagine detecting gas bottles and monitoring the conveyors. It's just one part. What's the bigger picture? How do you see it becoming more sustainable, maybe more green, more modern? with that new technology, like perhaps you can schedule an, a digital future of waste management tool. The waste composition, I think, is really important. Right? So when that person, when that business cracks the technology that can enable us to scan a pile of waste and identify its composition, that will be hugely powerful because you can go then back to the suppliers to help work with them to reduce, for example, certainly reduce the plastic content. So between, in a ton of waste, you look, you're between 14 and 17% of that waste will be plastic. But that waste will generate carbon emissions, fossil emissions of up to 70% of the fossil emissions from that ton of waste will be from that plastic. So if we're able to accurately identify using technology when that waste is sampled, exactly what that composition is by, cust by the person that sent it to us, then we'll be able to work with them and make sure we can work on reducing the emission, reducing the plastic and the bad, not the bad waste in there that doesn't necessarily help the process, doesn't help the quality of the process. I think that's the advance in technology. You could do that today with conveyor technology, but and that's certainly something we're looking as one of the developments in that we're looking at is how we can bring conveyor technology into our energy facilities to be able to allow us to to understand the composition, but actually being able to do it in a, with depth and with accuracy would, as well as just surface scanning would be hugely powerful. Yeah. And there's a lot coming together, of course. Yeah. So for people who are looking at their food, it's easy to say, ah, quality is looks, taste, smell, etc. There are many things at food that I can immediately come up with, but when it comes indeed to recycling, that's less obvious. So. One part could be that you're able to indeed reduce or more accurately recycle the plastic and thus reducing carbon emissions. Perhaps you can elaborate a little bit on, on how you today would describe quality then in Viridor's process or in the recycling overall. Well, I think in quality in our business is in two different parts of our business. In our plastics polymers business, the quality is very much almost a production process. So we take bales of mixed plastic and sort them and separate them into the four plastic types for them to be processed at our reprocessing facility. And actually the quality of the feedstock that comes in is all important to us in terms of where it's come from, what the content, is it all the plastic? Because we get batteries in there as well. So certainly supporting that quality, that's something we're looking to work with and develop a opportunity, maybe use those cameras that we've got above the belts to identify batteries in terms of the quality of the process, not only the quality of the feedstock, but those lithium batteries are one of the big causes of fires in our process. So if we can take them out, also protect our people, which is our number one priority. So 
I say, I think technology certainly has a part to play in quality in plastics, as well as making quality assurance and quality processes within plastics, trying to make them as as mechanized as possible to give our people an opportunity to really dial up the quality of the plastics that we produce at the other end to sell on to our commercial partners. In energy from waste, I think certainly the sort of quality of process is all important how can we know the more we know about the waste that's coming in the more that we can control the process so that we've already talked about gas bottles i'm sure we'll dive into that a little bit more but controlling the gas controlling the contents and what comes in from our customers and our partners that's hugely important and making sure that we're only concentrating on the only incinerating the waste that can should can and should be incinerated so i think quality comes into that process with technology so in the future it'll be more about composition but actually how about the whole process so how can we in terms of the quality of the process how can we use systems and technology to make, keep our people safe and our partners that are coming onto our sites whether that is we've just launched a driver induction app to make sure all the drivers that come on our sites know what rules to follow and how to operate on our sites. It's about using technology to make sure all our people are aware of the policies. And that's something else we've just released as well to make sure all our policy adherence is there so people can constantly make sure we're looking after them and they're sticking to how they should and follow process and procedure, which is all important in waste management. And then it's coming into the process. How can we make, make the Weybridge process straightforward for the drivers coming into site? and making sure in the fullness of time how we can manage traffic and traffic management on site to make the whole process slicker so yeah technology is at the heart of all of it i would say that though but technology is at the heart of it there's a lot of variables you just mentioned eh? a lot of different technologies different new mm. processes and indeed you at the end shut it down like it has to be manageable by the people i was about to ask that if you hadn't said it sounds a lot how do people cope with that Right. It is change. It's change, changing how ways people work, but hopefully for the better, and that we can make make working at Viridor a, a a great place to work, and where we can use technology to make their lives easier. And measuring that, yeah, making Viridor a safer place, perhaps can lead me to ask you, like, what are for example, the main things that can go wrong, you mentioned lithium ion batteries causing fire gas bottle, causing explosions, but you're producing energy. Okay. Maybe not on a national scale, still 60,000 households a lot. So imagine no production means no energy. So perhaps you can zoom in on like the main issues, the main things that can go wrong and how you tackle them, what technologies. There's many variables, many variables for lots of truck movements, lots of heavy lifting equipment, lots of tonnage, lots of material moving around the process. You've got, obviously you've got the, you've got the incineration process itself as its challenges. Waste industry more generally is a, is a, is not dangerous, but it's a high risk industry. And we're very proud of our safety record as well as doing everything we can to keep our people safe, making sure all our people go home safe every day. And that's our, that is our health and safety platform is home safe. And that's a huge thing for us. And actually part of our, in our ESG strategy, being the best at health and safety is right up there as one of our key priorities. And earlier you mentioned indeed the safety of the employees, you have mm -hmm. the gas bottles, you have the technology scanning the conveyors, the technology scanning for gas bottles in the bunker. I, 
you scan them in the bunker. So it's to, for people listening in, it's the bunker is where they gather all the ways. So it's all the ways coming together. It's a lot of ways. Like Dominic, maybe you can tell the listeners a little bit about that, why it's so challenging for the operators. How much waste on average there would be? It depends on the size of the plant. So I can go to my home site, which is in Oxfordshire, which is permitted for 350,000 tonnes. So in a bunker, you've got a large volume of waste at any given point. And that level of waste in that bunker goes up and down based on the week, where we are in the week, or if it's a near a holiday cycle. As you said, it's a, it is a bunker. So actually the gas, for example, the gas bottle solution that we're trialling at the moment, it's about identifying where they are rather than getting them out because getting them out is going to be difficult, but it's understanding where they are. And then if we can link that to where that material came from, it, then again, we can go back and prevent that kind of waste coming into our waste stream. So it's a, bit, it's a preventative measure. But using that technology in the fullness of time where we could take it further would be automatically being able to identify how what the bunker depth is, how much tonnage, roughly how much tonnage we've got in there at any given point. Having that bunker scanned 24 hours a day, seven days a week will be powerful. Once we roll that information, once we roll this technology out to our sites, to all of our sites, all of our bunkers, being able to have a, as we're building up a massive library of data, giving us our, what is in our bunkers at any one time, as the model gets smarter and cleverer and starts to identify different parts what different ways could look like we get it to identify different things not just gas bottles we can teach it to look and identify we can get a great view of our waste across the uk um, and that will be a hugely powerful model for us going forward i'm pretty excited about what we could do with that data stream longer term so i think that whole AI scanning, the whole AI vision model piece has a huge part to play with us. And I don't, and we've come up with a use case of gas bottles, but I think in that managing a particularly dangerous area and complicated area, getting a data sample out there will be very powerful in the long term. And maybe we don't know what how powerful it would be, but having that data source would be really useful. We don't really know yet in the end what it will all do. But it will be powerful because obviously you know where waste streams come from and data. So we've discussed this project that we're trialing technology on actually being identified the trucks that have delivered the waste. We've got the material, the bad material coming into it will also help us allow us to work with that customer to improve the waste streams that come into us. So I think it's, it'll work for us, it'll work for our customers and it'll work for and ultimately improve the waste that we incinerate. For example, in Belgium, we have this law where people who collect the waste, they need to identify things that are not supposed to be there before they collect it. Because once you've collected the waste, you become the new owner. And so mm. if you collect something that's not supposed to be there and you have it, you're breaking the law. So yeah. in, in that regard, I would say the law is pushing waste collectors to innovate. But here I see you proactively doing it because of a vision. The vision to become greener, to become best in class, right? It's to it's to use technology to solve a try and solve a problem that we've got, and then actually understanding and and while once you've deployed that technology, understanding what other opportunities it could bring you. So I think that's key for me, and it's 
Uh, and we've already thought about other things we could use it for. Large object detection is a key one, making sure that we can actually process the material that is in that bunker. So we can, and we can develop it as well and we can teach it and train it. Yeah, we already touched it lightly. How do you maybe see the future? Okay, full digitization, rolling out AI over all the plants. You see a lot of value there. How do you, would you resume the future of recycling with AI, with other technologies? But in plastics recycling, where we're using optical sorters today, there's certainly technology developing where those, the camera technology and the optical sorters are coming together. I won't name supplier names, but certainly that technology is being developed where that will be hugely powerful so that you're combining the vision systems with the sortation systems so that they can learn and self-train and train the optical sorters in real time to identify materials that'd be really powerful. In plastics recycling, if we can improve and detecting contaminants as well, that would be very powerful. Improving the quality of the infeed to the process in plastics recycling gives you a better, well, it's pretty obvious, gives you a better end product. So that, and then we can you know, make moves towards the circularity plastics economy that we're after. That's in, in plastics recycling, I think that's a key one. In energy from waste, energy recovery, I think it is that unicorn of waste composition that I've asked many different companies to look into and we end up looking at the process rather than the technology, but knowing how quickly technology moves on. And if there's a camera operator out there that can build RGB with X-ray and with depth, so depth capability as well as, as well as our RGB camera technology to identify what's in waste or any other combination of scanning that you could do in real time to identify depth and what's in the pile of black bin waste i'm all ears so pick the phone up and talk to me because i think that's we can make and just i just think it's future proof in the waste industry being able to understand composition it's key in that and that's also for the wider community if we can educate people and start Either we, we take more plastic out with introducing more technology or in the fullness of time, we educate the country in terms of how they how to recycle further, push it back on the package manufacturers to make packaging more readily, more easily recyclable and finding uses of other technology from a recycling perspective that can recycle plastics that currently don't get recycled. And if you have insights in what exactly is coming in from what area? What rate? I think the UK, I, I can't remember the exact numbers and I'll get told off for not only exact numbers, but the UK recycling rate is higher than some European countries. But I think there's an ambition to push that even harder, getting more curbside recycling and so that taking out the waste at source, but it doesn't stop people just being lazy and chucking plastic into a black bin. If you come with numbers, which you did it, the start of the podcast where you said, correct me if I'm wrong, about 18% of the waste was plastic, which you got it? In a ton of waste, yes. roughly so, those numbers. And that would cost like 70 to 80% if you burn it, 70 to 80% of the carbon emissions you have. Yeah. I imagine if you go to the public with numbers like that, even people who are maybe lazy or there's maybe even people who don't really think there's any harm to it. But if you come with actionable data, statistics like this, yep. I'm convinced that will get the ball rolling. 
because you have the numbers, the hard numbers that are undeniable. Yeah, we do quite a lot of public communication and we do a lot of influencing as best we can in the industry. We're also just measuring, we're now measuring the actual carbon emissions, but using technology called C14, which is essentially carbon testing within the within our stacks to actually test the exact composition of the emissions, whether it's biogenic or fossil. So we have a measurement and being able to say, this particular part in this particular stack, it's a certain emissions. And then we could be able to demonstrate if we reduce the plastics and the other we reduce the plastics to generate the emissions, then we can monitor that and, re- and increase the biogenic content and re- reduce the fossil content. So that we've now got we've now got that kind of measurement. And so it's joining them up. So it's if you that's the outbound process for emissions. What I've been whittling on about in this podcast has been the how can we stop it even going in the process? So now you've got the endpoint measurement. If we can reduce it, you're using technology or any other means of reducing the inbound, then we'll be able to see the output. We'll be able to see the results. So I think, but we're we're aiming for seventy percent of our sites to have this carbon monitoring solution within the next twelve months. So it's we'll have we'll be definitely in control of our outbound. It's making sure getting the technology and getting to the point where we can improve the inbound. That's energy from waste. I think I think the use of AI and advanced technologies and plastics is going to get there a lot faster. It's just because of the process is different. Some new technology that's also, because when you said it, outbound, I've been focusing a lot on inbound because that's a lot of monitoring, but also on the outbound side, you can monitor. And in the port of Antwerp, yeah, there's a lot of action and talks and discussions about now carbon capture and storage, carbon capture and utilization. So I imagine whatever output you have here and your monitoring will also be very useful in that domain. Yeah, so we've been selected into the next stage of potentially putting a carbon capture plant, carbon capture solution on our Runcorn plant, which is the UK's largest energy from waste plant. So that's something that's very exciting. It's one of our big initiatives at the moment to get that if we can get that progressed that would be a big one for us which gets which really supports our net zero ambitions but that's taking the carbon out and doing something with it in the if we stop the carbon going in the first place and that would also help so it's outbound from emissions inbound from a i think we're dealing with outbound from a carbon capture perspective as well as monitoring our emissions and inbound it's certainly about how we improve our waste we're doing a lot of work and we've got some excellent customers and suppliers that, that work with us to, to work on that. But and when you're collecting black bin waste from the general public, so you don't know what's in, you can't be sure what's in the composition. But you mentioned something and it's true. There's, you have technologies, you have AI, you have mm. carbon capture projects. It's another technology. And how I personally see it is one technology is not the unicorn or the holy grail. There's going to be like the mixture of different technologies. You cannot entirely sort it out with taking off the plastics or sorting better. There will be some, some things that maybe a large object, maybe, I don't know, there will always be something next in step. Then you have carbon capture and utilization or storage or, and indeed getting to the net zero is working on all of these fronts with the correct partners. To get, of course, the biggest yield on knowledge, on progress. So I, I do 
see you, Viridor, maybe as a, a practical approach on shaping the future. Yeah, I think it's our vision is to be a leading, is to be a leading innovator in this industry, and that's definitely in that what it means to me from a technology perspective is trying to use the technology out there to improve what we do and make our business better, and that, that's the nub of it for me. I and it's not going to be that some of these things we're trialing, so the gas bottle detection is not perfect, but it's a step on the journey to get there. And actually, as you say will improve the overall process with a combination of technologies. And so that where we can take, if you would go back to the gas bottle piece, where if we can identify using another, so if, maybe if we can identify using another piece of camera technology to identify the vehicle that's delivered the waste, match those two bits of data together. And then it's about joining the dots and you'd be able to connect up the different data sets. I think that's when you start interweaving data sets together, that's and layering them on top of each other, that's where you get the power. Yeah, that's already approaching the digital twin idea that's in how I see a digital twin, at least. And it yeah. enables you to manage the plant at the first thing in a practical way, but also indeed managing perhaps customers. If they bring you, well, bad rubbish, <laughs> then, you know. Yeah, we've got a big project ongoing at the moment to get real-time information out of our control systems for our energy plants. That's hugely exciting thousands of data tags being collected and analyzed again i won't talk net vendors but it's about the but being have, having that data and being able to bring it into our own environments to then layer that operational data that we're getting as i said nearly in real time alongside other data it really starts to it, you start to build a very rich data layer of our business where we can really make use of that data to take us forward i think and it's, as I said, I'm really excited about what we could do with the bunker data. I'm not sure what we could do with it yet or what use it would be, but having it would be good because not having it, I haven't even got the opportunity to do something with it, even though I don't know what I'm going to do with it. <laughs> exactly. If you don't know something's there, you cannot use it. Exactly. Yeah. And strangely enough, the AI is also there to keep you like an overview of all the data, what you can do with it will maybe become even clearer. Think about generative AI. <laughs> Perhaps you can throw it into ChatGPT and ask him like, hey, what do you suggest? So I did use that yeah. for, I did use ChatGPT the other day for a question I had on Bolomers and it came back with some good answers, but I, there's definitely, there's some of that technology coming very close. We've got Copilot in Microsoft platforms and Copilot's coming into our ERP. So we'll be able to do some, utilize that technology as well there so it's cropping up everywhere i did get it i did get chat gpt to write a performance review for me the other day but i had to, I had to it was only to see what it did i had to write it myself in the end but yeah there's plenty of opportunity for that i think it's coming into the it's not these big industrial solutions that we're t we've been discussing i think it will come in its place in the workplace will be quickly upon us i think it is already yeah and it takes practical experience to find the best use cases it's only yeah, after it, you use it that you see it yep so we had a call we had a call the other day about our esg metrics reporting back our esg metrics and actually being able to call in a chat pt style for a report in a particular format with a particular data slice in a particular time horizon would be useful and we've got some of that data we don't have all of it yeah, it's trying to make, again, it comes back to something I said right at the beginning. 
if we can make use of the te use technology to make our people's lives easier that's what we should be doing exactly so yeah taking that maybe into the conclusion that you're indeed as a cio very broad thinking about the future what technologies can i use might not come as a surprise that every year there was a competition about the best, most successful CIOs. And I know you made the list quite a few times and now even a judge on that competition or whatever you want to call it. So perhaps being a judge in that election, let's say, what do you think defines or are the key characteristics to be a successful CIO? Yeah, so that I'm involved in judging what's called the next CIO in the UK. So that is the gut, the next generation of the next level of CIOs. And what the applicant, we've just actually judged the cohort, the, this year's cohort last week, and looking at all the applications from everyone that submitted across all different industries, uh, without giving any much of the game away, what really came across is where the next level, the next generation of CIOs are using a board selection of tools to crack some difficult things, difficult tasks, and not just hunkering down on particular technology, but using a broad set of where are they using AI, what automation have they got, how are they exploiting data? It's having that kind of lens as an aspiring CIO gives me a lot of hope that the next generation are going to be far better than the guys and ladies that are in the seats today because it's yeah there's it's about having that broad approach using different technologies for different use cases and being able to apply that so i think that's that's important it's a good opportunity to network as well which is the half the reason i enter is to is to meet people and meet peers and see what other people are doing i learn more from peers and other people and other companies than i ever would from any other industry body I imagine you'd also find opportunities to learn from these people that you see the cases that you yeah, get. You learn from what other people are doing. Steal a few good ideas, make them your own. You don't have to reinvent the light. That's true. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So let's zoom in on your career then. Maybe some special obstacles you've stumbled upon that, that you'd like to highlight and say how you overcame them nothing particularly springs to mind i think i think if you if you're a cio that's worth their salt they're not obstacles that last very long so you can overcome them you find the way you find the way so it whether it's time or budget or people you always find a way to get it to make it work if you want to be a success that has been using technology to solve a problem it's equally being honest enough to say when technology is not the answer <laughs> And you might have to find another way around it where, or I'm being honest enough to say, you know what, that technology didn't work. That was the wrong solution. So let's quickly change course and do something different. So I think in terms of, I can't think of a specific, but there's probably been plenty of them that I can't think of to hand, but yeah, being able to navigate your way. It's, not, it's never, it's never a straight road with no bumps in it. Yeah, a career is always a twist and turns and plenty of obstacles you have to avoid. It's just about making sure you build your toolkit up as you go through your career with, and understanding what tools you need to work your way over the bumps in the road. And so having a good understanding in having a good technological understanding, being focused on your people because you're nothing without your people and bringing the people with you so they know 
so they understand what you're thinking you understand what they're thinking and you deliver it together and understanding the wants and needs of your colleagues is also important i think you know, because the cio can be a lonely place when things are broken or when the projector doesn't work in a meeting it always comes to me to fix which is does make me chuckle but or a screen doesn't work dom will sort it but actually having people in the room that will support you and you help them out and solve their problems i think that's a big part of overcoming any obstacles so yeah it's a team effort always yeah that's true perhaps one final question a person you look up to can be a fellow cio or somebody more general or whatever there's a great number of cios in that 100 list that you aspire to and you see them on stage I never made it past. I think the highest I've ever got was seven in the top 100. But you look at some of the stories and think, yeah, okay, I recycle plastic and I we get energy from waste. But there's some of these guys and what they're doing. And a memorable one, I can't remember the exact detail, but as a gentleman who's a CIO from the organ donation organization in the UK, and he'd used technology to reduce weight, reduce weight lists for transplants. I was like, okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> Using technology and to save lives is massive. So I wouldn't, there's been plenty of people I've learned from in my career, former bosses, former CEOs. You don't do, you just got to be open to yourself. You don't, no one's perfect. Everyone's got to learn and you learn from others. As I said before, I learn from others rather than necessarily being taught something. I'd rather look at how somebody else operates and work out what would work for me. And I certainly got that from previous CEOs and CIOs I've worked for and worked with. You learn from other people. I can't pick out. I wouldn't be in, I wouldn't embarrass anyone particularly on a podcast. I was born on the day Elvis died. I think that's got to, if there's one person following Elvis footsteps, I don't know. I'd like, I'd like his money, but yeah, maybe not, maybe live a little bit longer than he did. Uh, I think we all do. Yeah. Exactly. All right. No, that uh, Dominic, thank you very much. Was to me personally, a very interesting podcast. And as soon as Viridor has like this open company days or whatever it's called in the UK, uh, sounds like a place I really want to visit. So thank as long you as for you got, being here. As long as you wear your PE. Yeah, you'll be welcome. <laughs> If that's the only requirement for sure. Yeah. Thank you, Dominic. <laughs> Cheers, Maxine. Okay, that's it, folks. Hope you liked it. If you did, follow the RoboVision page. Follow my page. Leave us a like, of course, or a comment. If there's anything you'd like me to talk about, quality-related, leave it in the comments, and we'll be for sure considering it. Take care.